helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Welcome to the Life Transformation Show, where we explore ways to transform lives and become better versions of ourselves. I'm your co-host, Denise Hart, and today I'm joined by the host of the Life Transformation Show, my husband and psychotherapist, Michael Hart. Today, we're going to be talking about the leadership style of King Saul and what we can learn by examining the biblical record of his leadership. King Saul was the first king of Israel, and he had a lot of potential of a great leader. However, he also made some critical mistakes that led to his downfall. Michael has spent years studying the Bible and counseling individuals and couples on how to improve their relationships and leadership skills. He has a wealth of knowledge and insight to share with us today. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee and join us as we explore the life and leadership of King Saul and what we can learn from his example. Welcome, Michael. Welcome, Denise, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. I think this is going to be a very interesting show today. There's a lot here that we have to cover, and I look forward to your questions that help us explore this topic in a thorough way. So why don't we just jump right into it so that we can get through as much as possible for today's show. Sure, Michael. In last week's show, you used the example of King Saul consulting the witch of Endor to talk about the dangers of consulting psychics and mediums. By the way, if you missed last week's show, you can listen to it by searching Elim Counseling Services on YouTube. From last week's show, we saw King Saul compromising his values to get success through the advice of a witch. I think it is still a temptation for leaders today to compromise their values to become successful. How important is it for leaders to stick to their values, Michael? So, you know, Dennis, when leaders do not stick to their value, they experience what psychologists call cognitive dissonance. And this refers to a psychological discomfort when individuals hold two or more contradictory belief or values, or when someone's belief or values are in conflict with their actions. In the case of King Saul, some scholars have suggested that he experienced cognitive dissonance as he struggled to balance his desire for power and control with his religious beliefs and duties as the chosen leader of the Israelites. So when leaders do not stick to their value, they experience this cognitive dissonance. David Benner in the book, The Psychology of Saul's Demise, uh, said that Saul's story is a vivid illustration of the psychological phenomenon of cognitive dissonance. Despite clear evidence that his actions were wrong, he persisted in his destructive behavior, unable to reconcile his own moral standards with his actions. And he went on to say that this cognitive dissonance ultimately led 
to his downfall. So when leaders are not true to themselves and true to their values, it creates this tug and war inside where they're pulling against what they truly know to be true and uh, sacrificing the pursuit, sacrificing their moral values on the altar of success. So one example of Saul's cognitive dissonance is found in 1 Samuel 15, where Saul is commanded by God to destroy the Amalekites and all their possessions. However, Saul partially obeys, sparing the Amalekites king and keeping some of the spoils of war for himself. When Samuel confronts him about this, Saul initially denies any wrongdoing, but eventually admits that he feared the people and gave in to their demand. So here you had Saul caught in a situation, am I going to obey God or am I going to do what the people want? And this cognitive dissonance pulled him away from doing the will of God. And I think leaders today, especially in churches, are faced with that cognitive dissonance. Do I do what the people want or do I do what God wants? Do I preach the the, the, the word of God as it says or do I cater for the, the political correct uh, uh, statements of the day? Our values of the day. And so the danger of cognitive dissonance for leaders today is that it can lead to unethical decision making as individuals seek to resolve their conflicting beliefs or values in ways that justify their actions. So this result in lack of integrity, erosion of trust and negative consequences for both leaders and those that they lead. So I believe, Dennis, that leaders can avoid falling into the trap of cognitive dissonance by, first of all, cultivating self-awareness. Who am I? What are my values? What it is that I hold to be true? And secondly, I think leaders can avoid falling into that trap by regularly examining their values and beliefs and seeking uh, feedback from others and also being open to changing course when their actions do not align with their principles. So it's important for us to have people around us that can keep us on track, people that can say the way, the course of action that we are charting do not fit with the values that we know to be true. And I believe that in the day and age that we are living in, this is going to become a bigger and bigger challenge for churches, especially where they're going to be tempted to go away from what they know to be morally true to to, to cater to the demands of society, the new ways of looking at morality. So I think it's important for leaders to prioritize ethical decision-making and to seek guidance and support from trusted advisors or mentors when faced with difficult choice, and most of all, to stick to their values. Great points, Michael. So, Another thing you discussed in your leadership seminars 
is King Saul's failure to build a strong leadership team. How important is it for leaders to surround themselves with a good leadership team? And secondly, what are some of the reasons why people do not surround themselves with good leadership? Yes, let's let's talk about the the first part first. Uh, let's look at at some of the the ways in which uh, King Saul failed to build a strong leadership team around him. So so let me say that failure to build strong leadership. Uh, leads to a weakening of your organization. King Saul struggled to build strong relationship with his key advisors, such as Samuel, Jonathan, and the priest, and even, even David. He, he, he did not build a strong leadership team with, with the people that could make his organization stronger. And he often made decisions without seeking their counsel or input. And he even put some of them in danger, such as what we found we, we can see in 1 Samuel 22, 17 to 19. So let's look, for example, at Saul's troubled relationship with the priests, for example. The priests were there by God for a reason. They, they were, they were there to take charge of the religious order of things, to deal with the religious aspects of his organization. And so if we think about it in today's, uh, leadership structure, it would be like this is a, de- a, a department of the business, and there are leaders in charge of that department. But what we found in the narrative involving King Saul is that King Saul had troubled relationship with the priests in Israel, which was a major factor in his eventual downfall. In 1 Samuel 13, Saul disobeyed the prophet Samuel's instruction to wait for him before offering sacrifice to God. Instead, Saul took matters into his own hands and offered the sacrifice himself. The act of disobedience was a significant breach of the religious and political structure that God had put in place. As you see, God had intended for only the priests to offer sacrifice, sacrifices to him. But here we see that King Saul is overstepping that boundary. And as a result, Samuel rebuked Saul and pronounced that God would take the kingdom from him and give it to someone else. Later on in 1 Samuel 22, we see Saul becoming angry with the priest Ahimelech and accusing him of conspiring with David against him. And uh, Saul, in punishment, ordered um, the massacre of the priest at the city of Nob, where Abimelech served. So we see here that King Saul resorted to violence in killing the priests in the city of Nob. And this act of violence against the religious establishment of Israel further alienated Saul from the priest and undermined his authority 
as king. So Saul's troubled relationship with the priest revealed the tendency that he had to act impulsively and to rely on his own judgment rather than seeking guidance from God and his appointed leader. I think it also heightened the tension between Saul's role as a political leader and the religious authority of the priest in Israel. And then he said, if we think about this in contrast to what we see in when David become, became king, David, uh, when David became king, David consulted the priest. He consulted Samuel. And this difference in approach may have contributed to David's success as a king and his enduring legacy as one of the greatest rulers in Israel's history. So we see that, you know, King Saul did not, uh, Follow the, the guidelines that God had established. He overstepped his boundary and this resulted in him taking authority away from people in his, in his department. And so we see that this, this lack of ability to have a strong leadership team because he overstepped the authority and the expertise of others led to his downfall. So we see the same thing in organizations today, Dennis, where leaders overstep their boundaries. They feel like they have to do everything and be in control of everything and not trust others around them. And as a result, it weakens their organization and lead to their demise. And there are Part of the question that you asked, Dennis, is what are some of the reasons why people do not surround themselves with good leadership? I think in a nutshell, one of the reasons for that is that if a lot of leaders who struggle with insecurity find it hard to have people around them with expertise that they do not have. They feel insecure. So it could be that King Saul was insecure because the priests had authority that he doesn't have. And he felt that as a leader, he should be able to do what they, what they're able to do. But a good leader is able to understand their limitations and to put other key leaders in place so that their organization can become better. So I think in a nutshell, it boils down the reason I think has to do with insecurity. And I think before we go on to, I'd like to just read here from uh, Ephesians, not, not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 10, where it says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who fails and has no one to help them up. So we can build strong relationships with our team members by working together, supporting one another, one another and community communicating effectively. I think when leaders feel that they have to be the be-all and end-all of their organization, you do not have this return for their labor that, that Ecclesiastes uh, talks about, that the book of, that we just read in the book of Ecclesiastes, because in, in essence, the leader is doing everything solo, even though they have people in those positions. All great points, Michael. And as I was saying, you know, David's path is better for us to trod. 
you know, David uh, was a blessed man and being obedient will always have us being blessed than uh, being disobedient to the Lord. Absolutely. So, it's always better to follow the, the, the plan of God. Definitely. So, Michael, next question. In your teaching on King Saul, one of the things you have often talked about is the pride of King Saul. My next question is, what are some examples of King Saul's pride and how did it negatively impact his kingdom? I think we see the pride of King Saul uh, leading to his disobedient, him being disobedient to God's commands to completely destroy the Amalekites and their possessions in, in 1 Samuel 15. So God had given him instructions as to what he should do. And so in the same way that King Saul uh, is taking over the priest's duty, he is now taking over God's plan and doing what he thinks is best. So God said, destroy the, the king. Don't take any of their, of their possessions. But what King Saul did in, instead is that he spared their king and he took some of the best livestock for himself, thinking that he knew better than God. So I think this is an example of his pride. I think another example of his pride could be what we talked about earlier when he was doing the sacrifice that only the priests should do. What Paul, what, what Saul is saying in that is that I can do what ever I want because I am the king. I don't have to listen to God. And when we have this in organizations where the leader feels that just because they are in leadership, they know best and they can do everything and no one has a say, then uh, the, the organization often uh, falls apart eventually because people do not thrive in that kind of organization where they feel that their authority are being usurped by the leader or that not even the principles of God in some cases are being followed. And, uh, and Proverbs sixteen eighteen warns us that pride goes before destruction and the heart is spirit before a fall. Michael will be right back. You have been listening to the live transformation show where award-winning psychotherapist Michael Hart of Elim Counseling Services has been speaking on a very interesting topic, biblical principles of leadership, learning from the mistakes of King Saul. You can find out more about us at elimcounselingministry.com or by calling 1-877-204-2914, where you can also make a donation to this Christ-centered ministry. Your donations help us to stay on the air and to provide subsidized counseling to those who can't afford it. Back to Michael. So we can avoid pride by focusing on serving others rather than ourselves. Instead of being in that place of pride, we should practice servant leadership where we focus on serving others in humility than in getting into this place of being proud. Uh, for sure, Michael. Let's continue to dive into the life of King Saul. One of the other points you talked about at your leadership seminars is King Saul's inability to admit to mistakes. 
Can you give examples of this from the biblical narrative and explain what you believe is behind leaders who cannot admit to making mistakes? I think a good example is what we referred to earlier on when we talked about uh, King Saul not obeying God and taking the prized possessions of the Amalekites and not killing their king. And so when he was confronted by Samuel about it, instead of saying, you know, I did wrong, you know, let's, you know, I, I pray that God would forgive me. What Saul said in, instead is, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They speared the best of the sheep and cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. And so here we have Saul, the leader, blaming his soldiers for disobeying the orders. And then not only that, he's, he, he, he tried to pass it off as, but actually we are doing a good thing by disobeying God. We are actually sacrificing to him. We are actually keeping the things that he told us not to keep so that we can offer sacrifice to God. So it, it's rather hilarious the, the way in which he is he is trying to justify his actions. Sure, Michael. I actually didn't look at this scripture in that light. But as you explained it, it is sadly funny that, um, you know, this is almost like someone wanting to pay their tithes and say that they're going to rob a bank to get the money to pay their tithes. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. So, so here we have Saul saying to Samuel, I disobeyed God. The very things he told me not to keep, I kept them because I wanted to offer sacrifices to him. And it's no wonder that Samuel got upset at Saul. And in 1 Samuel 15 verse 16, we have Samuel saying, Enough! To Saul. In other words, stop the nonsense. And so Samuel said, enough. And then he said, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. For rebellion is like the sin of divination and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. So here we have him being uh, unable to admit to his mistake. And so he was rebuked by Samuel. So, yes, Michael. And the other part of the question that I had asked, what you believe is behind leaders who cannot admit to making mistakes? I think, uh, Dennis, when leaders are unable to admit to mistake, it usually speaks to very low self-esteem. So if someone is in leadership with low self-esteem, any mistake becomes a, 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 a detrimental blow to their ego. And so they have to cover up, even when the mistake is staring them in the face, they have to try to come up with a way to justify what they did. And this is what Saul is doing in this example. It's obvious that he made a mistake, and instead of admitting to it, he is acting as if what he did was a good thing. And now this is the difference between Saul and David, because when David made a mistake with Bathsheba and the, the prophet Nathan came to, to David, David repented. David cried out to God, and it's out of that that we got Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Saul, on the other hand, is trying to pass off his mistake as something that is really holy and pleasing to God. Oh, great example, Michael. Thank you so much. So, 
Let's continue. The jealousy of Saul over the success of David is one thing that stands out from the biblical narrative. How can leaders avoid becoming jealous of their team members' success, as King Saul did with David? That's such a good a good aspect of this of this podcast to, to delve into at this time. I think King Saul's jealousy over David was a significant factor in his troubled relationship with David and his eventual downfall. So Saul initially saw David as a valuable member of his team, and David quickly became one of Saul's most trusted commander after defeating Goliath. However, as David's reputation and popularity grew, Saul became increasingly jealous and paranoid. And Saul's jealousy... Uh, was first aroused when the Israelites sang songs of praise to, to David as they sang, Saul has slain thousand, but David ten thousand. And so Saul became increasingly jealous. So I think leaders can avoid uh, falling into jealousy by looking at the bigger picture. What Saul should have said to himself here, if David is succeeding, the organization is succeeding. And I think leaders can avoid jealousy if they see the bigger picture and think of the success of their team members as not a threat to their own security, but as something that is building up the organization. So what Saul was trying to do was to kill David. And by trying to kill David, he was in effect getting rid of his most valuable asset. That's such a good point, Michael. I can see how King Saul is sabotaging himself because of his jealousy. Yes, and and so when people are insecure in leadership, a lot of their actions end up sabotaging the, the organization. For sure. So this is my last question to you, Michael. Decision making is one of the important pillars of running any organization. You have often talked about King Saul's errors in decision making. Can you give the listeners examples of bad decisions made by King Saul and how they sabotaged his success? Well, I can think of one example of a rash decision making by King Saul that's found in 1 Samuel chapter 14. In this chapter, Jonathan, Saul's son, led a surprise attack on a Philistine's outpost and successfully defeated the Philistine. However, Saul had issued a command that no one was to eat until evening, but apparently Jonathan, his son, did not get the command. And when Saul heard that Jonathan had broken the command that he gave, he vowed to put Jonathan to death. But thankfully, the Israelites intervened and Jonathan's life was spared. That sounds unimaginable that someone would give such a command to his soldiers because food is what gives us energy. How could he expect his soldiers to fight if they are lacking in energy? And so that's why it's such a rash decision because King Saul wasn't thinking. He was probably acting out of fear or superstition. So, Michael, in closing, we'll read 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. 
It reminds us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We can avoid fear and indecision by trusting in God, focusing on our mission and purpose, and seeking wisdom from trusted advisors. That's such an appropriate scripture on which to end. King Saul definitely wasn't trusting in God at this point of his life and acting out of fear or maybe superstition as to what would make him successful. So I want to thank you so much for being with me on this episode of The Show, Denise, and uh, asking those wonderful questions. And I want to thank you listeners for listening as well. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode and that you find it helpful in your journey towards transformation and growth. Before we go, we want to remind you that if you need further support and guidance on your journey, Elam Counseling Ministry is here for you. Our website, elamcounselingministry.com, offers a wide range of resources, including articles, podcasts, and information about our counseling services. For those of you who uh, haven't listened to this show before, we are on the air every Monday morning at 9.30. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services. And your co-host, Denise Hart. Praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. <laughs>